You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast brought to you by ascully.com. And here are your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. Welcome, 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 Sid Talk. Yep. What is your before the show discussion? Hmm. It was various again. We talked about various things. This movie, a little tiny bit. Um, will you listen to a little bit of the CAG cast? Yeah. Et I don't know. I wasn't listening to everything you were saying. I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. I passed the test. I didn't hear anything. Let's say we weren't talking about anything. What have you got to say up front here in the show? <laughs> uh, that's new. Is that a new feature? No. I got nothing special to say. Nothing. Nothing at all? Nope. All right. Let's move on then. Sid Talk has nothing to say. She is busy playing It's rare. Game. It's very rare. All right, so it is Saturday, December the 8th. This is after the show number 560. We are a movie review podcast. We're going to look at a movie this week. And the movie is called A Simple Favor. It's a 2018 movie. We'll be out on Blu-ray this week. You can pick it up now, actually. 4K Blu-ray. It's rated R, and it's from our friends at Lionsgate who sent us a copy for review. Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of A Simple Favor. Hmm, this is a tough one. Um, two friends and a twisted fate. Nice. That's better than <laughs> what mean, it says on the back of the box. The synopsis, I'm over it. Either you're going to watch it or you're not. So you are you saying we should we drop say. the synopsis? I'm not saying that. You can give the synopsis because you always don't like mine. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You don't want to say anything at the beginning of the show. And you don't want to do the synopsis. <laughs> We're narrowing it down here. You, I think Sid Talk wants out. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I like the podcast. It's just got some extraneous materials. Well, some days we have a big before the show be- discussion. Some days we don't. And just because you don't like the synopsis doesn't mean... I mean, the people don't know what right, we're then, talking about. Then, as I've stated, and regular listeners will attest to, I tell you to do it. And then you don't do a very I good I would just one. read off the back of the box. Yeah, exactly. You don't do a good so synopsis So if you either. don't like that, then you come up with a synopsis. I just did. Two friends right. and a twisted tail. Next week, I'll be reading off the back of the box, everybody. Gross. I'm out. <laughs> so um, a simple favor. Uh, there'll be lots of spoilers in this review. So, because you can't really discuss this movie without spoilers, right? True, because it is... Even the setup is a spoiler. Is it? Really? Yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't know nothing about this, right? So, Yeah, I knew not. I mean, absolutely zero. If Zilch. you just told me who the two characters are, it would start to be a spoiler, you know? Because that's kind of too much information for this movie. Well, then we're done. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there will be spoilers, and uh, you can see this movie now. It is actually out. Or you might have seen it already, and you just Here's want to an hear idea. what we say. Watch it while we're talking about it. That'd be perfect. Perfect. Well, if you put one one head, headphone in with the movie on, and exactly, one with us. we could be the commentary you always knew you wanted. It wouldn't be confusing at all to listen to. No, it'd be perfect. So, a simple favor is the latest movie from Paul Feig. You'll know him. He's a famous director and a funny, funny guy. In fact, he's that much of a funny guy. He hasn't really directed many funny movies. Did you notice that? 
Mm, I didn't really look at his whole thing, but... I mean, he did direct Bridesmaids, which was very funny. But he did also directed a lot of serious movies. But this one is a is kind of in between it being silly and, and uh, a thriller at the same time, right? Absolutely. Definitely got a little bit of funny. Sometimes it falls throughout. into, like, full-on thriller territory. And then sometimes it's very out there and funny and kind of silly. Correct. Right? So um, that's what this movie is. It is... Explain the setup. Two friends. No, I mean, (laughs) in more detail, not just that. A woman is a blogger, vlogger, and she mentions that her best friend is missing, and then she says, I don't know as much about my friend as I thought I did. (gasps) Ta-da! Mystery. Yeah. And then you start finding out, unraveling the the rope or unpeeling the onion, whatever it is. It's not a new idea that someone's life is a mystery. Now you're peeling away all the stuff, but this lady has, wants to find her friend. And then she keeps, she has this cute little mommy vlog where she does little tips and baking cupcakes and getting stains out of dresses, you know, that kind of stuff. And through her vlog, she's telling it's framing the story. And then throughout the story, she's in one of her vlogs. She's actually directly talking about what's happening in her life. So it's kind of interesting. That's kind of an interesting little tool to use. Yeah, and it's based on the book of the same name, which I just looked at the book on Wikipedia, and it's very loosely based on the book. Mm. There's a lot of changes in that book. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of changes in this movie. This movie has a distinct style as well. It uses this, like, 60s French music for its, like, soundtrack, which gives it an interesting feel. It's really brightly... It's not like a gloomy, dark movie. It's very brightly lit. Everybody's got really colorful costumes. It's stylized. Nobody really wanders around like dressed like that, do they? Mm, I don't know. Somebody probably does. Like that fashion designer guy, maybe they do. Um, I wouldn't discount that, but yeah. It's got a particular style to it, though. Every, everything's a little bit heightened and a bit... Definitely. A bit. It gets a bit silly at times, I thought. Like, I agree. Especially the climax, you know? It got a bit hokey, unfortunately. But then it's balanced out. Every time that happens, it gets balanced back out. And so I was okay with it. Yeah, I was okay with it. But um, there was times where I was like, what tone are we going for here? Like, Because, yeah, you know, the first... I would say the first 20 minutes where it's trying to explain everything to you pretty fast... But it does it in like a light-hearted comedy way. There's a lot of funny stuff and a lot... But then there's some like, you know, Blake Lively's character swears a lot. So it makes it a little bit edgier than that. But then Anna Kendrick's character, you know, she's she kind of seems like a character from a movie like Bridesmaids or something. She's a bit, you know, fun and there's a lot of jokes revolving around her. But then it starts to get... When the mystery starts to come to light... It starts to get dark, and then there's a part in the middle of it where it feels very dark, right? Like, Absolutely. it actually feels like Gone Girl or something like that. Like, something that's actually played seriously. Especially the part... Because when you consider what's actually gone down, we're talking about murder and plotting and, you know, all kinds of dark shit. Yeah. <laughs> all kinds of murder. And then you're like, whoa. And then something silly happens and you're kind of torn back and forth, which is what I really enjoyed about it. Let me just say that. I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Even though it had those moments of, I was a little 
like, ah, oh, tone it, dial it back. But then I thought, but that's balancing out what my mind is telling me. Like, that's, duh, that's dark. That woman, the main character, not our cute little momsy one, she is effed up. And you got to balance that out with a little bit of whatever the opposite of that is. So I, I appreciated it. Yeah, like in the, there are parts during the middle of the movie where it just full on feels like a thriller, but then, then it cuts to like, like at the end, something really horrible happens <laughs> and then it cuts to that guy doing like a one liner, that kind of gay, like, neighbor. yes, I didn't like him. Didn't that, that they're the parts where I was like, wow, that just, I don't know. That's fair to say that he's like a gay guy. He's just a dad. I mean, I would call him gay neighbor. I don't think so, but, I mean, that's unreasonable, I think, from what we see and hear from him, but I just think he's just a dopey dad. But, like, his one-liner about, like, Priuses. Yeah, it's dumb. That's where I was like, oh, that kind of drags this movie down a bit, those kind of things. Yeah, that, like, one, yeah, that one in particular. Like, whoever thinks that's funny, it doesn't really fit with what else is happening on the screen. Like, it, that belongs in Bridesmaids. Rather than this, like you know what I mean, that's mm -hmm. how it feels. So, I got this um case of like double identity on this movie, which I'm assuming that's what it was supposed to have, but sometimes it took it a little bit too far. I would have reined it in, like you said, a little bit. Now, on the other hand, I did like the mystery, I thought the first act was really, really good. And I said to you, I like it when I don't really know where this is going at all. But then when it did start to go where it was going, um, it was it came predictable then for me. A little bit. Yeah, like it wasn't as it wasn't as like oh I'm kind of in doing, and there's a thing that happens, um, you know, the the husband guy. Yeah. Which I saw coming. It was kind of obvious that that was happening while it was happening, and. From that point onwards, nothing surprised me anymore. It was like, oh, okay, this is what this is. Like, it's not going to have, like, a super... Clever. You know, moment it's where It's not super go. clever. It's more about the style... Yeah. ...than it being original or interesting as, like, a story. But the people and the way it is, I think, is what makes it. Yeah, I do, too. But I, I was... From the, from the build-up, this first 20 minutes, where I was super in it, I was expecting something that would really throw me off. Like it was like something, there's something really clever going on here. And, but we also have to remember, we've seen a lot of movies. Yeah, true. We may be, you know, disheartened to have all of those different stories in our heads. Whereas someone who hasn't seen a lot of movies that it could seem more like, Whoa, you know, yeah. but for me, it was like, Oh, this isn't what I was thinking. It was, it's not quite as clever as, it, as I thought it would, was going to be. But then again, it was funny in parts. I wouldn't say like gut-bustingly funny, but I'd say some of the dialogue is pretty funnily written, especially Anna Kendrick's character. Yeah, she's, she's good. She's very good. She's like embodied this mummy vlogger type. And she's kind of, you know, when she, it's funny because at the beginning she tells her like never to say sorry to anybody. That's one, yeah. of, your, that's one of your favorite yep. things. Stop apologizing. And I agree <laughs> with the, the men, the, uh, her reason as well is like, you know, we're taught to be sorry all the fucking time. You don't have to be sorry about everything and stop making a habit of it. Yeah. So this, um, the character that Blake Lively plays, this like se seemingly like 
Well, at first, when you look at her, when she gets out of the car, I'm like, oh, look at her. She's like really together. And then you realize pretty quickly that she's kind of fucked up, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, she, she, the way I would she say talk, that's an understatement. The way she talks to her children and like. No, I like the way she talks to her kid. But I like I mean, the way she not, is. Not right. Like, it, like, I don't think it's wrong. I, I like the way she is. What did she say? Little fucker or something? No, she didn't say that to Get her. Get in the car, you little fucker. <laughs> no, she said my little dude. She didn't say that at all. So you're adding stuff to what she didn't no, even she say. No, she did say that. She didn't but, say that. She did not go back and watch it. She didn't. But she's very open. And she mentioned something about, you know, like tearing my labia when he came out of my vagina. She'll say that right in front of her kid. I don't think that's wrong. I think it's pretty funny. And, you know, I don't think it's a judgment call to say, oh. I guess I'll I'll rephrase it. I'll say that she is not like all the other people in this neighborhood. And she's like super rich. And she dresses like a fashion model. And... Drives a fancy car. And the way they become friends is a bit... I know she's she's basically using her, isn't she? Like, she she needs somebody to look at her. Not at first, kid. no. I really don't think so. I just think she's funny. Um, And she's lonely, I think. Hmm. So, interesting little, you know. And that, So then she brings her back to the house. The, you know, it's like a, the, that part didn't gel with me fully. Yeah, it was a bit quick. Yeah. And then, then we, then almost like two scenes later, we're into like, oh, I'm going to leave my kids with you while I go somewhere. Right. Um, that is not abnormal. So I wouldn't, that, that's totally, there are mothers like that. Yes. Absolutely. 100%. Who would make friends with a person yes. and then a week later, trust them with the kids. Yes. There are mothers like that. Yes. And it, but this woman's kind of fucked up anyway. So it wouldn't, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, she's got a plan. She's an opportunist, and that is a real personality trait in the world. So really going on to spoilers in this section here, right? Well, you can say anything you want about this movie. What did you think about the actual main plan? The main plan? Yeah. Did you it... mean her plan? Her original, her actual... Yeah. Um, it was kind of mm, not original. No. Not that compelling to me. All she's wanting is some money. Yeah. And so How many an, in, movies have- an insurance scam yeah. to make some money, it's like I listen to oldies radio all the time. That is a huge plot point in the old radio. T- oh, I mean, I'm talking every other show is somebody faking their death, murdering an uncle or an aunt for the insurance money. I mean, Jolly Do- Johnny Dollar is all about insurance investigations. Yeah, it is into actually. plots of people who have died suspiciously and then have a big insurance plan. So it's nothing new. I mean, it was a book, so you you know, I don't they wouldn't want to alter that, I suppose. But that part, I was a little bit like, okay, I'll just deal with, I'll just get over that part. Like you said, I it's a little bit predictable once you find out. Like, oh, is that it? Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like less interesting once you find out. Definitely, because I was. I didn't know what it was going to be. I knew there was something weird going on. But uh, when when they sell insurance scam, I was like, oh. oh. Boring. Yeah, you know, it's like a... I'd ra- always rather watch a heist than somebody just try an insurance scam. Yeah. Money. I, was, um, I was just looking up at, you know, how many movies are there with insurance scams. There are loads of them. Yep. It's not a thing. So... Yeah, the whole thing's like an insurance scammy thing, but then it it, it does kind of twist about a bit. 
But see, it's a sign of a movie that I'm not going to say a good movie because that's subjective, but where I can be like kind of rolling my eyes at several aspects of it, i.e. the actual whole plot, <laughs> some of the variations in the, the level of comedy they're going for. And yet as a whole, I'm in. I'm, in bo- I'm on board 100% digging it because the whole of it erases all those little things for me little i know the plot's not little but still well i do think i do think a lot of it's to do with like if you enjoy these two actresses too like i mean absolutely because it is their movie like like well you know it's mostly her it's mostly anna kendrick's yeah yeah because um blake lively's character isn't in most of it no she gave me enough of those moments of like yes where she's sort of like rising up to a thing and you're like she's mysterious too not just the bad woman not just the woman that we're supposed to be like oh she's horrible she swears with her kid and she's mysterious and you know kind of like that person a lot of people would avoid but this little sweet mommy vlogger she's she's dark too i mean come on there was points where i was like is she like psychotic in some way exactly that's exactly i thought wow are she when she's telling us her life stories right is that not really how it went down yeah that's what i was i was thinking that there was some clever kind of thing that the bad guy isn't the bad guy yeah good guy is the bad guy that's what i was thinking it was so that's where i say i was a bit disappointed with the what it really was because it i don't know I think I like the first two, the first two thirds of the movie better than the last bit. Because mm. the last bit with the silly one-liner stuff, yeah, and the almost stage playish, like you know, the scene with the, <laughs> yeah, the, oh, it, it was very that was very stagey. Yeah, yeah, it felt very like yeah, you know, Broadway stage play thing. It felt different to the rest of the movie, and it was like they had to wrap it all up. Just in this one scene in this room, and that would be the clever way of doing it. Like, um, so as far as the mystery goes, it was interesting. The actual mist, you know, I don't want to say this bit because that this is the bit the bit that it rests upon. But you know what I'm talking about. Which part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nothing. It's a bit boring. Yeah, it's <laughs> that. nothing. Yeah. That turns out to be like, and so. Yeah. Is but, that even a mystery? I would say, well, it is to somebody who's not seen this movie. I'm trying mm-hmm. to be a bit vague on that bit because But that doesn't mean anything. If there's a bit that if there's a bit that you don't know about until it's told to you, it's that bit. Yeah, but that doesn't amount to anything. Well, at all. It amounts to it that there's Yeah, but didn't it doesn't mean anything in the story at all. Mm, it doesn't. I disagree. Well, they're wrong. Because there's doesn't. a major scene. That I know, but she's only link. talking about it, but it doesn't mean anything. It yeah. doesn't have anything to do with the story itself. It's just a little bit of a, like, family ugh, thing, you know? Well, it has a lot to do with the story. It has a lot to do with, like, what you think of what has happened. Mm, I disagree. Well, something happens, and you're like, oh, really? That's it- just this many, though. No, like... Um, something happens, she, <laughs> yeah, and you think that that is right, but what occurs makes that not right. Makes yeah. that not. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's a huge part of the story. Maybe we're talking about two different things because I disagree. Oh, I'm talking about this. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant this. No, <laughs> we're hand signaling. No, I'm talking about the the there's one person. You know, yeah. 
Got it. You're right. Yeah, I, I couldn't understand why you wouldn't think that was, that was when, like. when, <laughs> when somebody dies, you're like, whoa. But instantly after that, you're like, yeah, that's a, okay, what's next here? Maybe I'm being duped. Instantly, so. uh, instantly, I was like, I've seen Gone Girl and Girl on the Train. <laughs> what are you talking I've seen these movies. I know. What are you trying to do to I me? know kind of where this goes. <laughs> uh, but maybe it'll go differently this time. It kind of goes a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. But, um, so moving on to the cast. And this isn't a huge cast, to be honest. Um, I put down Anna Kendrick is Stephanie Smothers. Um, she, I think she plays what she is. I, I believe that she is that type of person. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I've seen her in many movies and TV stuff and interviews, and she comes across like that person. I don't think she is, but because that's pretty extreme. Um, what was the movie with George Clooney that she was in? Mm, I know what you're talking about. Up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. She's just kind of, I don't know. She's but like, she's, an act, she's a performer. Don't forget. She's yeah. performing for you. But she's the best thing in this movie. I agree. Because I mean, I like Blake Lively too a lot. Yeah, but I bought this character because like there's a lot of like things to her, like that she's this vlogger. She dresses a very particular way. She, as you learn more about her, you were like, that's why she's going a little bit overboard in that yeah. sweetness and light. Something you know? really fucked up has happened in her life. <laughs> um, that's more fucked up than like the main plot. Really, it's like so. It's like. Um, that I was interested in that. Yeah, definitely. Don't, we don't fully cover that. We just Mm-mm. we just kind of it's just a story. But um, well, I mean, it defines who she is, and she so changes a throughout a little I re- bit. I really liked the scene where she was trying on Blake Lively's dress, and then she was stuck in it. <laughs> yeah, and then she did this whole interview with a police guy wearing this dress that the police guy was good too. Yeah, is not a dress that she would ordinarily wear, and she's extremely uncomfortable in it. And she's being interviewed, and she's. It's just awkward <laughs> and weird. Um, but yeah, I really liked her. And then Blake Lively plays Emily Nelson. She's this really tough, kind of bravado kind of chick, would you say? No, not bravado. She She's seems hard to, to me and like, um, she's got mm-hmm. a real attitude about her. I don't know. I think she's just kind of neutral. But she because she's compared to our other lady... There seems to be a hard edge to her when she's just kind of like, I don't know, you feel like she's broken. I do, as soon as you meet her, because she's so out, she's just, she's like, she's hiding nothing, and she's hiding everything at the same time. That's a good feat to pull off. She almost immediately admits that she does prescription drugs. Immediately, yes. And then she starts drinking immediately, and, you know, she, um... She's got troubles. She's got troubles. She doesn't want Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick's character is kind of meek and she won't really say anything, but she wants her just to say everything like and just be like her, kind of just say it. Say oh, it I all. disagree. She doesn't want her to be like her. She just wants her to stop being like this mm, idea of what a woman's supposed to be, which I totally can get behind that with the apologies and all that shit constantly. She just like just wants her to rattle that. That's what they're doing with Blake Lively's character, right? The the clothes and the attitude. It's like playing with women stereotypes in movies and putting them on the head. Like mm. that's I don't what, know. that's what he said, Paul Feig. Anyway. Yeah, but yeah, 
But I mean, that's all. He said bit... he didn't want like he he doesn't ever see certain types of women on screen, and uh, this movie thought he would have a like a chance to play with like how women always come across. But that's not necessarily true. There are lots of really strong women characters through the decades of movies that match this woman. Completely. Maybe he meant in this type of movie. Mm. You know, because even if you think about Gone Girl, which we were just talking about, and Girl on the Train, the women are still like average women, right? <laughs> I don't know what that means, but like, I, I guess... The way they're written. Yeah, definitely the way women are written, yes. They're not like super tough or anything. Um, they might be a bit psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's say broken. Let's say broken. And then Henry Golding, who um, is the star of Crazy Rich Asians, so you might know him from that, he's a British guy, plays Sean Townsend, the husband of Blake Lively. What do you think of him? He was really good. I, was, I really liked him. He, um, <laughs> you know, EastEnders, he reminds me of Honey's boyfriend. Kind of, yeah. I swear that's his brother in real life. Don't know about that, but he, <laughs> he had a vibe, yeah, definitely. Um. And then I also put down the two kids who were excellent. They were really good. There's two children involved in this. Um, one is just like a <laughs> like a tiny version of Henry. Yeah. And he's got a real attitude. He t- even tells Anna Kendry to fuck off or something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he's just a little kid, though. But the kids are good because there's a scene where they're grieving, let's say. That one was really good. Yeah. And also, yeah, and that, you know, when... She took them to bed after that, and she goes and kisses one on the head, and he's like, do I not get the, you know, because she's semi-mad at him, or... Correct. Yeah, it's, I liked all that part. So, yeah, these kids were great. It's directed by Paul Feig. He directed this um, Ghostbusters movie that came out recently that kind of went down like a brick. We haven't seen it, so we can't, I no. haven't seen it. You haven't seen it, have you? I've seen the trailer, and I feel like the trailer kind of put me off. Because I love Ghostbusters. You do. But that trailer, I was like, ooh. Ooh. It was a bit in your face. Yeah. Not in a good way. No. Um, And he also did a movie with Melissa McCarthy called Spy recently, which is like, you know that movie we just saw a trailer for? The Spy Who Dumped Me? Mm -hmm. Spy is kind of like that, but with Melissa McCarthy. And apparently, from what I've heard, not seen it, it's full of fat jokes. That was what put the person off who watched it. Right. We haven't seen that either, so we'd have to see it. But no. um, but it's full of jokes at Melissa McCarthy expense kind of jokes. Right. And then Bridesmaids, which is where Melissa McCarthy came from, really, and we hadn't had seen her in anything before that. Um, I hadn't, no. And Bridesmaids is, a, I don't know, has it aged well? Or it was very good at the time and like a huge phenomenon. Everybody saw it. I think it was of its time for sure, you know. And when was its time? Whenever it was made. Was it like five years ago or, le- or more? Oh, I don't know. Amazon. You'd have to look. <laughs> You'd have to look. When was Bridesmaids released? Listen to you talking to your devices. Seven years ago in 2011. Right. So, um, yeah, it might be of its time, but I remember it being really funny at the time. Um, maybe I have to revisit it. So yeah, what do you think of full wackiness. Feet? Yeah, it's crazy, but... No. What do you um, think? I think he does a good job of balancing out the um, that edge that or that thing I was talking about, where it's like you feel like this is 
I mean, we're talking murders and deep family problems and really psychotic things. And then we're making, then the way that, um, Anna Kendricks, is that her name? The way she does her thing is like full on kooky comedy sometimes, but it fits. So he balances that out to me. He brings out that in everybody just right. I was trying to like think of a movie that like crosses the line of like being a wacky comedy and a serious thriller. And there, I don't think there are tons. Very Bad Things was the one that I remembered. Mm. But it's a it's an awkward. Um, it's two things that it, you can get it really wrong, can't you? If you do it, yes, don't do it right. So I think that may be why people don't tackle it. Um, Paul Feig is the most is one of the well dressed um, directors. Did you see him on the set? Every yes. single time, he's never he's <laughs> never his, in t shirt and jeans. That's his thing. Yeah, um, Wes Anderson does that too, right? Um, always wears a three piece suit. They want to be gentlemen. Um, oh, and Christopher Nolan is the other well-dressed director. Um, so extras on the disc, uh, there are quite a few commentaries, believe it or not. There are three audio commentaries. Um, there are eight featurettes. There's a gag reel, deleted scenes, and a flash mob. What is a flash mob? You know, when people do that stupid thing where they all end up singing. Oh, I see. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't check that one out. So, But there are a bunch of extras. And if you like commentaries and like listening to Mr. Paul Feig, he's on all three of them. So, um, and Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively are also on a, a track with him. So I'll be listening to those. I always find them interesting. I like to know how movies are made. And I like to know what people were thinking during certain scenes. And I find listening to commentaries is the best way to figure that out. Because nobody interviews and like featurettes on discs. They're never going to detail because they're really short. But like when you listen to a commentary and it's like listening to a podcast because yeah. they're there for one and a half hours or two hours in this case. And you get a bit more in depth into it. You never listen to commentaries, right? No, not really. I just find them really fascinating. It's like listening to a podcast. It's, like it's like an episode of a podcast that nobody else, you feel like, oh, it's only me listening to this. Because I doubt anybody I mean, else I listens to I to be a downer, but that's not accurate. <laughs> Do you think many people listen to the extra commentaries on Blu-rays? I don't think you're the only one. I feel like I am. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't think you are. <laughs> All right. So uh, in conclusion on the movie, like I say, I enjoyed it, but I do find it to be skirt the line. But between... overall, like the experience of it. Overall. And... Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Overall. Um, but, you would like it to be a bit more original. Yeah, a bit more original and a bit less of the kind of like um, sh those jokes that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. It's almost like there were certain characters in the movie who felt like they stepped out of another movie to be in this movie for a few seconds. But they were in a different yeah, movie. Yeah, it totally didn't fit. That's correct. Yeah. Um, I would like less of that and more of the thriller kind of thing. Anna Kendrick's comedy fit. It was just the per peripheral characters who we didn't really talk I about. I think she built the movie. Right. You know what I mean? It's built around her oh, ability yeah. in, the, in the, the moments when I'm hearing her mind, this character's mind, ex like thinking the darkest thing. Like when she's cleaning out the closet, 
Because that's when you start getting the vibe like, whoa, is she the crazy one? Is she like the one who's like plotting and planning it all because she's having a great time? And then she pauses every once in a while, kind of like soaking it up. But then later you're like, she's just ha- she's just happy that her life is going better. But is she? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or is she like horrible? You know, so I love that. So, um, yeah, that's a simple favor. You can pick it up now. It's uh, from our friends at Lionsgate. Next week's uh, Blu-ray review will be Marvel's Venom. We're going to be looking at that next week. Tom Hardy, one of your favorites. Mm, Mumbler. <laughs> but you <laughs> do like Marvel it. things. so I do. Um, it's a new Marvel thing. Um, so movie recommendations. I am going on. This is not really anything to do with this movie, but a simple uh, favor. Another movie called A Simple Plan, which has Billy Bob Thornton and the late... Bill Paxman. Is that his name? Bill Paxton? Paxton. Paxton. Not man. Um, Bill it's Paxman. Really, it's a really awesome movie that is very similar to like something like Fargo. That kind of... It's got a bit of humor. It's also got a really fucked up situation in it. I don't know if tons of people saw it. It's probably 20 years old now, right? Mmm. It has to be, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's called A Simple Plan. It is really interesting what if movie which i really like oh this there's some money they find some money what do you do with this money <laughs> sounds a lot like fargo too yeah it is it's very similar to fargo even the setting but uh it's a different take on that and my other one is blake lively 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 i think i mean i don't know if i've, I've heard it said both it. ways you mm. know uh so i don't know uh the shallows which i really enjoyed from last year you did it's a really cool shark movie and it's got, it's... It's a survival movie. When we say this is like an Anna, Ken- Anna Kendrick like makes this movie, Blake Lively, Lively, <laughs> makes that movie, The Shallows, because there's her, there's mainly her in it, right? It's, it's like a one-woman show for like 90% Correct. of the movie. That's why I don't think of it as a shark movie. I think of it as a, a her movie. Survival movie with yeah. her stuck. She just gets stuck on some rocks. She's injured. And you might think, that sounds and boring. there's a shark. It's not boring. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, The Shallows. Yours are? Mine are... Let me get out to the thing. I'm on the Christmas kick, of course, watching my Christmas holiday movies and shows. And the first one I cranked up the other day was It's a Wonderful Life. Now, it's a wonderful life. You can, you can insult it. You can roll your eyes. You can be like, it's black and white. It's too old. It's too sappy. I don't care. I cried. I always cry. <laughs> As soon as Mr. Gower puts the poison in the box and little, our little hero has to tell him, you know, Mr. Gower, Mr. Gower, you put the wrong pills in the box and it's poison. That's exactly how he sounds. I cry every time because it's really good. I mean, it's just, it's a really well-made movie. It is a little sappy. But by the end of it, you know, Zuzu's pedals and every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. I don't even believe in angels or anything, but I'm still, I get sucked in every time. And the other one is because that is Jimmy Stewart is Six Shooter, but the radio show. The radio show called The Six Shooter with Jimmy Stewart. It's really good. Um, And I was just, oh my God. Well, a cowboy show. Cowboy show, yes. He is like a gun for hire type of guy. Right. Comes into town, kind of intimidates everybody because he's such a good shot. And if this is the years, I'm looking at this now, 1950, 
four was when it was done. And we all talk now about season finales and series finales and, you know, end of work. And then we, a lot of people think, well, that never used to happen. But I just read that on the radio show, it says that he falls in love with a woman and proposes to marry her. After a while, he gets word that another town needs him. Now, this woman has figured him out that being the guy who goes and basically kills somebody every time because the bad guy needs to be killed, essentially, in the Old West or whatever time frame it is. He gets word that he's needed in another town. She tells him to go. He then says he'll go and come back. But then in a voiceover, now this is the last episode of the whole series, in a voiceover, well, it's all radio, it's all voiceover, but he says (laughs) what's in his mind is, I'm not going back, and she knows I'm not going back, and we both know I'm not needed anywhere else. So it was actually a ruse. He just couldn't settle down and marry her, and she accepted that and let him go. I mean, that's like... (laughs) That's dark. And it is. It's got some, you know, it's got their standard, you know, cowboyish type themes. But a lot of the stories in that show are just... I listen to classic... What's it called? Radio classics on Sirius XM. I listen a lot. What channel is that? 148. You know, when I say A word, that's our echo. Um, Play Sirius XM, channel 148. That's what I get. And it's just, it's really good. So, six shooter, and it's a wonderful life. All right. So, um, uh, hey, Scully Stone. Nice. I've been playing some more Red Dead. I'm still not near the end. I keep getting sidetracked. I play some Red Dead. I played three missions, and then I go out and just ride around a bit. I get, I, I get the feeling I don't want it to end, so I don't do it on purpose. <laughs> I can tell you that's exactly what's going on. You never want your games to end. Not ever. really good ones. I just no, because I know when it's end, when it ends, there's no, there's not a ton of good reason to go back and play. Like because you've played like hundreds of hours at that point. So I'm still playing it. The um, epilogue, as they're calling it, is a, uh, you know. Oh, so ah. you're actually at the end. Well, I'm re- <laughs> I'm about thirty missions away from the end. Aww. 30 Aww. missions sounds like a like that's like some games are only 30 missions this game has got a lot of missions so anyone it? who criticizes this move this game what do you have to say to them um if you if you i guess if you enjoy it in the first place why wouldn't you want it to be super long because that's you, the big complaint is it's so long i don't you, have time and if you find it boring at the beginning then just stop playing it and don't play it right i agree that's the way to uh Deal with like, something. Like, if you Do you don't feel like, like they're attacking your 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 little game, big game? Sorry, big game. Um, also, this week, talking of awesome big games, uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which I've been playing since it came out. It came out with the first big DLC um, for the season pass, and it is the legacy of the first blade. So, it, in the Assassin's Creed Odyssey game, where you play as Cassandra, and it's in ancient Greece, they don't really cover any of the Assassin's Creed story. It's really just about it's just a big RPG that's set in ancient Greece. And I, as I was playing it, I was like, well, what about the assassins? What's this got to do with the assassins? There's never any, like, link to them much. Well, this DLC that they're bringing up, that they just brought out, the first episode of, is all about the assassins and where they fit into ancient Greece. So they did have a plan, and the everybody complaining, saying, oh, they've took the assassins out of Assassin's Creed, what's the point? Well, now you get the story of the, the assassins, but separate to the main game. Um, it's out now. 
you can if you've got the season pass it will have automatically downloaded and you go to a certain place on the map you'll see it marked and then you start this whole new story you play as cassandra though the you're just dealing with this assassin guy and you're understanding how he fits into the whole grand scheme of assassin's creed so there's that i've also been playing uh how long is it since i've played call of duty it's been a while a couple years I can't remember the last one I played. It might have been... But let's just tell them, before that, you played every single day for about six or seven years. Yeah. During its heyday, let's say, when it was huge. I played all of them. And then when it got to Ghosts, Call of Duty Ghosts, that was a really bad one. And I think I kind of got turned off it and then didn't play it for a couple of years. And then I picked it up again when um, Black Ops... 3 came out. I played Black Ops 3. And then I didn't bother with the World War 2 one. And then Blizzard had this thing the other day where if you log into the battle.net client where you play Overwatch, they have a... Uh, well, it it's 10 free hours of Black Ops 4. And I was like, oh, well, I've not played it, so I'll go and get it and give it a shot and play it. And all I can say is I've been playing it for like two days here. I don't know how many hours I've played. Maybe four or five. Um, I'm really enjoying it. But, let me say, it hasn't changed at all. Do you know what I mean? For, the, I mean, the good thing is good or the bad thing is bad? Um, it's the same. It's just, I mean, it's more on the good side. Like, when it used to be good, it's more like that than the shitty ones that they made. But there's... I was thinking, well, I'm going to play Call of Duty now and I haven't played it for ages. It's going to be so different. I'm not going to be able to... I I won't know what's going on. But no, it is exactly the same. It's like they didn't change it. In fact, funnily enough, in this Black Ops 4, it doesn't have a single player. They remove the single player. They don't do that anymore. It's just multiplayer. But the multiplayer maps that are included are all from previous Black Ops games. There are... As far as I can tell so far, and I've played it maybe five hours, they're all classic maps. You'll know the maps. There's Nuketown. You'll all know that. Um, but they're, they're changed. So, like, Nuketown used to be, like, a one of those nuke testing facilities in America with all the 1950s dummies in it and stuff. This is exactly the same layout of map called Nuketown, but it's in Russia instead. So it's snowy and it looks different. But as far as it playing, it's exactly the same map. And I've found that, like, some of the fan favorites from years ago, like, there was one that was an um, army training range with all the, like, wooden buildings that you do all the drills in. That one's back. There's the one in the Arctic. I don't know what they bloody call the maps, but you'll all know if you play Call of Duty. There's the Arctic one. But I... So what that did for me is, oh, oh, I, I understand the maps instantly because I know the layout. Like, I've played these for hundreds of hours. Like, I know them all. So I, I realized, like, quickly, oh, I'm actually fairly good at it because I know the maps instantly. I know the, you know, the guns seem the same. So I don't know. Is that a good or a bad thing? It's just the same thing after giving it many years of break. Does it make you want to play some more? I definitely want to play it, yeah. Well, then that's good. Or are you just nostalgic? It does, definitely feels like nostalgia when you're playing it. But there's also, like, the big new feature of Black Ops 4 is it has a Battle Royale mode, which Call of Duty has never had. 
And what Battle Royale is, it's a giant map, like an open world map. They drop a hundred of you into the map from a, from helicopters in this case. You all skydive down onto the map, and then last man standing wins. You know, you're all you all fight each other. So and you have one life. When you're dead, you're out. You can carry on watching the rest of the people battle it out. It's kind of like well, it's battle royale for a reason. It's like like the movie Battle Royale. Drop a load of people on an island and see who survives, right? It's that scenario. Now they've never done that in Call of Duty, and it is kind of cool. I've played other Battle Royale games like PUBG and Fortnite, and I've never really been into them, but Call of Duty actually makes it better because the mechanics are good. It plays just like the regular Call of Duty game. But the problem I have with Battle Royale, I like running around really fast and shooting loads of people. Can you imagine in Battle (laughs) Royale, it's not the same because a lot of people are just hiding or lying down on the floor. You might spend minutes of the game where you don't see anybody at all because there's only a hundred of you in this giant map. And what Battle Royale does to... You might think, well, all right, Sid Talk, I put you in a Battle Royale game, right? You you drop into the map. You've got to survive. You've got to be number one. What what would you do? I'd be dead. (laughs) What would you do, though, to try and survive the longest? Hide. Yeah, right? So, So go and hide in a building and just wait. Well, what Battle Royale does to stop you doing that is there's a circle on the map. And at the beginning, the circle is the entire map. And as the time starts to tick down, the circle gets smaller. And if you're not within the circle, you die. So it pushes you all into the middle of the map. So so eventually, right at the very end, the circle is very, very small. And maybe there's two or three people left. They all have to be in the circle. So it encourages them to fight each other to the death. So that's kind of in the Hunger Games, right? They did that in the Hunger Games to force them. Um, So... But what happens is, I find, people hide, waiting for the circle to get smaller. Then they do a sneaky little run to the next circle and then hide again. So often you get times where there's 10, 15 minutes of game where you don't see anybody. Or you think you're doing really well. There's a, there's a timer. There's a thing in the corner that tells you how many people are remaining in the map. And you, you look up at it and it says like 10 people are left and you're like, wow, I'm in the top 10. And the next thing you know, you just get sniped. Like somebody sat on a hill snipes you. So it might not be my style of play. I think I, I think I like running, shooting stuff and then respawning immediately, you know, rather than waiting and waiting. <laughs> so Call of Duty Black Ops 4, you, you can't do it now. It was like this free trial. But what you can do is you can... I think it's for the next 10 days. They're selling it for $29.99 instead of $59.99 um, on the Blizzard app. So if you're interested, it's half price at the moment. So Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Sid Talk, what's for dinner? Tonight will be eggs, fried eggs, some chips, as you like to call them, but they're actually french fries, and toast, and some peas. They're actually chips. They're fries. Americans are weird. They don't know. <laughs> they don't know what chips are. Pommes frites, correct? Pommes frites is fried. Well, that's fried French. potato. Right. I know they invented the word pommes frites. Did the French fries. invent fries? I think so. Did I mean, the, did I the know. Germans invent hot dogs? Uh, the, I think so. Sausages. I don't know. 
I don't know food history. Did the Americans invent hamburgers? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Did the Did Japanese invent, invent sushi? I don't know. Why are you asking these complicated questions? <laughs> you just want to know what's for dinner. That's what's for dinner. <laughs> Eggs. <laughs> yes. And that's it. All right. And what is your advice? Mm, what did I put for my advice today? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Quiet rebellion. It's a good place to start. I say this because I don't know if I mentioned this already, but where I work, someone in charge somewhere mandated, mandated, look up that word. That means forced, um, strictly enforced or forced upon you, required to put up a piece of paper that has this list of bullshit on it that's supposed <laughs> to inspire everybody to do a better job. And it does nothing. It solves no problem. It answers no question. It inspires nobody to do fuck all. It is nothing. It is somebody spent a bunch of money to do a survey and got told a bunch of shit. And now we're going to make it look all shiny and colorful and put it on the wall. Fuck that. I don't get mandated hardly anything at my job except how to do my job. And you can ask anybody. I'm not perfect, but I do a good job at my job. What is required of me, a responsibility. I work in a data center. I'm responsible for troubleshooting, monitoring, and making sure no heavy-duty bad shit's happening in that data center or else some big bad shit's going to go down. So I'm there as, uh, don't even know, like, you know, canary down the mine, <laughs> basically. And if things start going bad after 19 years, I can see the symptoms. I can feel what's wrong. I can feel if the temperature's different. I can see word messages on my mainframe happening. I can see, I can just, you get to know the symptoms, right? That's my job. Maintain it. If I can, find the people who can fix the problems. And when the thing does go down, and it has, therefore it will again someday. Knock wood, maybe not before I retire, but I also know all the emergency things. What happens if the air conditioners go off? It's a data center, kids. It's going to get freaking hot. Who needs to know what to do? Where do you get the all the um, portable air conditioners? Who do you call? Do you call this and that? Who comes and fix it? What's the name of the company? How long do you have? Who does to tell the governor that the shit's happening, right? It's a big deal. So I take my job very seriously. I do not ever take someone seriously who just wants to bullshit me because they think it looks good. I don't give a shit about your politics. I don't give a shit about how important you think you are or how much money, how much tax money you spend on a stupid project and think it amounts to something on a piece of paper that now when I look around our office on this, you know, where all the cubicles are or half cubicles, it's an ocean of these stupid pieces of paper. So I made my own. It looks just like it because I'm pretty good with the Microsoft Word. And it's just a dumb little flyer thing, right? I made my own. I made it my own words and my own phrases. It's my own little quiet rebellion. I'm going to hang that in my little office. And I'm telling you now, if you walk past it, you won't know the difference. But if people stop to read it, they're like, well, that's not the, is that the, is that the one we all supposed to have? Nope. <laughs> now, I'm not afraid to say it. If the guy who installed instituted this mandate, walked up to me and said, why are you posting this here? I would say like, have a seat. Let's have a conversation. <laughs> because da, da, da. I'm not afraid of that. But a quiet rebellion sometimes is a good place to start. Because if you show it to a couple of people who you may not even know agrees with the thing, this is all work related, obviously, but it can be in anything really. But you find out you're not alone. And if you quietly just all sort of like, yeah, 
You bump elbows, wink, wink. Here's your little piece of paper as an alternative to the stupid piece of paper. Um, I think it does a lot for morale. Even if you don't overcome the dictator. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being dramatic, but that's how I feel. I don't like bullshit like that. Um, I don't like things for show or for politics or to big somebody up and make them have statistics and matrix to put in their charts and their flow charts and their slideshows and all that crap. Get rid of all that shit and just let everybody do their job. It's extremely simple formula. Tell them what they're doing right and wrong, specifically to that person. If they continue to do it wrong, you either bump up the training or you have a discussion about what's going to happen next. It's not. It's just so simple. Piece of paper is not going to fix it. No. <sighs> End of advice. <laughs> All right. So, well said. Well, was it? Was it? Thanks. Uh, you can catch uh, us on our website, sayschoolie.com, sidtalk.com. Catch us on Twitter and Facebook. Sidtalk will uh, write, uh, you've got a big backlog of reviews to write. Mm. And uh, hopefully someday she will write them. <laughs> Are you, are you mandating this? <laughs> we all know how this is going to go. <laughs> it's not pretty. Um, you can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch uh, this podcast on go com. Click on the word podcast. You can find it on the iTunes Music Store, the Google Play Store. Tune in, RSS feed, or YouTube even. Email feedback to me at com. Don't email SidTalk. And uh, also, don't ask her to write any reviews. <laughs> she won't do it until she's on her own schedule. So she's on her own damn good and ready. <laughs> because being a wife, my job is not to write reviews. It's well, to be a wife. And that um, being said... Stay classy. Uh, a simple favor. Oh, and I'm going to say, think for yourself or someone will do it for you. Yeah.